0: Welcome to What to Do When, a podcast from Real Lawyers with Real Perspective, where we explore a variety of legal issues and scenarios. Each week, we focus on a new topic and discuss what to do when and if any of these legal scenarios ever happen to you or a loved one. With over 40 years of combined legal experience, our hosts offer their unique perspectives and insights on a range of real-life legal situations.
1: Welcome back what to do when, a dummy's guide to the legal verse.
0: What's in the docket for today, Jackie?
1: Uh, we're going to talk about uh, laws that you should avoid breaking while you're driving. Yeah. Does that sound about right?
0: I think that's a good way to put it. Okay. Um, there are two in particular we're going to talk about today. Uh, one is driving uh, with a hands-free device or not driving with your cell phone uh, in your hand. And then the second is um, not operating motor vehicle while under the influence of marijuana. So uh, I think those are two very important ones uh, that I've started to see kind of more frequently with people who have contacted our office. Um,
1: So what's the status of the law with regard to having your phone in your hand while the car is moving?
0: It's now illegal.
1: Period. End of story.
0: You can't hold anything in your hand. I mean, there's some exceptions, but they're, they're, for the most part, you're prevented from having uh, your cell phone in hand, talking on the phone, looking at directions, doing anything uh, while you're operating your motor vehicle. The handful of exceptions. Yes, please. um, Are going to be, you know, while you're, if if you're lawfully stopped, so you're in park on the side of the road or any other place.
1: Not at a stoplight. Not
0: at a stoplight, no. or if you are reporting an emergency, so if you're on the highway uh, and you're reporting an emergency, obviously you can drive and have your phone in your hand then to make that report.
1: I don't uh, have to pull over to alert 911 that there's been an accident. Correct. Okay. Uh,
0: and then third, um, if you are, I mean, if you work for the state or if you are there as an emergency, uh, for an emergency purpose, as a firefighter or a First police responder. officer, EMT, something like that, yes. They can have their phones legally in their hand, So you're not looking over at the police officer, uh, you know, in the car next to you with the phone in his hand and trying to do a citizen's arrest. That's not really going to work that way. <laughs> so um, but those are, the, those are the main things to be aware of. Well,
1: when did that change?
0: Uh, that changed back in 2020, 2020 Summer session? Yes.
1: And so what sort of consequence are we going to have? If I'm driving down the road and I'm I have the phone up to my ear, I'll admit freely that that is something I do on occasion, even following July of 2020, what's the consequence?
0: So the consequence of that uh, first offense is going to be a $125 fine. Mercy. Second time around is a $250 fine. And the third time you're going to be subject to a class one misdemeanor. So we're talking 12 months in jail, $2,500 fine, potential loss of license. And so it doesn't
1: matter what I'm doing on the phone. If I'm looking at the map, texting, Facebook or Instagram scrolling, It does not talking matter. on the phone. No. no,
0: Keep that phone out of your hands. And so I think that, you know, for us that, you know, still take Uber or Lyft, you know, you see your Uber or Lyft driver have the um, uh, the hands, their device, you know, mounted somehow to the front of their car uh, so that it's not in their hand while they're operating. Um.
1: And it, you can still turn the radio. You can still do all sorts of... Uh,
0: other things other, things other in the car. Put on your makeup. certainly yeah other functions in the car uh but yeah that's the one thing just keep that out of your hand
1: you can't have your phone in your hand
0: don't want to be distracted no okay. um
1: is it and i hate to be so nitpicky but i suppose that's what i get paid to do is it just phones is it all electronic devices what does the code really pinpoint
0: any device any device uh that i mean that Really, could be in your hand. Shouldn't be in your hand. Like and a CD
1: player. What if I have like a little CD Walkman or a radio Walkman?
0: Yeah, probably best. I to know put that. that down. <laughs> probably best to put that down while you're driving and
1: put it back in the 1990s yeah, where it came from. That's right. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, but then I guess the issue then you run into is that, uh, and people, I, I've, I had a client once who had was watching YouTube while she was driving down the street, and the officer spotted her, saw that she had YouTube okay. open, watching videos as she's driving. It sounds like one of the most unsafe things that you could possibly do. She um, had a child in the car? No, thanks. I, for not. Well, no, you know, there's not. that. She was younger self. Uh, she was an adult, but I think okay. she was about 19 or 20 years old. But uh, but she got pulled over strictly for that reason. And then once they pull you over, I mean, they can cite you for other, you know,
1: um, Lots of other, anything really, right?
0: Anything they want to, pretty but, much. I
1: mean, with in there. <laughs> okay. Well, so let me ask you this. She got pulled over. He saw it. Mm-hmm. He saw the screen. He saw that she was on YouTube. Yep. Um, what, what would you tell a client to, to say to a police officer in that situation?
0: Well, I mean, as we discuss, you know, on this podcast, you know, you don't have any duty whatsoever to incriminate yourself when you're talking to the police. So if they're asking you about the law that they're accusing you of breaking, you don't have to make any statements. I mean,
1: it, it usually goes, do you know why I pulled you over? Right, right. I mean, I, I've been pulled over a few times in my life, not for a while, knock on wood. And do you know why I'm pulling you over? And I would always say, yes. <laughs> Inevitably, I knew the reason.
0: Right, right. But I mean, you don't but I I would not advise anyone to say that. Maybe you shouldn't
1: say yes, I do know why.
0: Maybe that you should let them tell you why they pulled you over instead of them telling you well, actually, you left your drink on the top of your car. It's like, Oh, Oh. I'm sorry. I was just changing lanes without without signaling. That's where I thought you pulled me (laughs) over. So
1: (laughs) I was going 102. Yeah. Did did you catch me back there? (laughs) No, okay. but I mean,
0: you know, you're not trying to you don't want to put yourself in a position to give the police any more reason to, you know, write you up for something else. So if they ask you, you just tell them, you know, respectfully, I, I, I choose not to answer that question.
1: Boy, that's hard even for me, because I think we always even in something as simple as a traffic stop, we want to tell them. And I think we also tell our young people. I mean, I have a, a son who just turned 16 and another one who's just turned 15. and oh, the driving and the and they're both very respectful. But I'm not sure how I can even tell these respectful young men to just politely decline to answer the police officer. That's just difficult as a parent. Forget about being a lawyer as a parent. You want your children to be respectful. You want them to get out of the ticket if they can. And it's almost never going to happen if they just say, well, I'm not going to answer your questions.
0: Well, it's not going to happen right then and there. Right. But I mean, but later on, with the anticipation that you're going to get a ticket written for you, especially if you make a statement, but if you're going to get a ticket written that day, it's best not to say anything that's going to hurt you once you go to court. So I know that it's a tough thing, especially because people think they can talk their way out of situations, don't they? They always think they can. Um, But that ultimately provides, you know, those statements would provide the information to police officers to ultimately find you guilty. or and find you guilty of Whatever it is they're they're charging you. Well, them,
1: let's right? be clear, right? You, there are people who can talk their way out. They, you, there, there are those who can, but
0: I'd say a large majority that, of us can't.
1: Is that the risk you're willing to take?
0: Right, right.
1: And is that the risk you want your children to take in Certainly. the process?
0: And I think when people get pulled over all the time, too, I mean, they're they're thinking of it of, of like this is an, incone- an inconvenience for me right now. I'm oh, and, sure and for that reason, you I don't know, want to I, go to court. I don't, right, right? Yeah. And so I, I'll go ahead and explain everything. Maybe I get let off, you're probably not going to get let off. I mean, maybe you will, you know, they might catch you a break that day and just say slow down or put the phone down next time. Um, but you know, people are, are easily trying to solve their problems in the moment instead of thinking of the longer picture. And that's the one that we really focus on the most.
1: All right. Well, well, good point And a fair point. Well made. So what other reasons why uh, might you be in trouble while you're driving? Or well, what
0: I think that the other one that we're, we're still seeing, and, and there's still a lot of gray area on it is are people being pulled over for something um, and being under the influence of marijuana, or at least there's a suspicion that they're under the influence of marijuana.
1: So have you okay, you've defended clients who have been accused of being intoxicated to some degree on marijuana while they're driving. Mm-hmm. And so what is the what are the officers saying for the reason they're pulling them over? What are they seeing? Right? Because they have a they have to have a reasonable, articulable suspicion sure. to pull them over. What right. are they saying?
0: Well, I'll just say before the law changed, if they smell marijuana, that gave them probable cause to make a stop. Okay. No longer can do that. Even if they stop you and your card smells um, like uh, burnt marijuana or raw marijuana, they can't then, you know, say, well, I have probable cause to do a search, I have probable cause to arrest you for a DUI for something like that.
1: Never mind the 40 pounds of weed in the back, right? Right. Don't okay. worry about that.
0: Okay. Um, but the um, the other part of it, tell me again, what you, what'd you
1: The question, <laughs> what are the police saying as far, what's the reason for the pull?
0: So, I mean, normally, it's going to be a normal traffic stop where they are, you um, erratic driving or signaling without um, or changing lanes without signaling or running a stop sign or something like that. It's going to be a traffic infraction. More, more than likely. Are you
1: hearing similar things to DUI from alcohol? In other words, the swerving? Yeah, crossing the that's lines? normally
0: what they're looking for. And that's usually the reason they pull you over because they have some suspicion that you're driving under the influence based on the movement you're making out on the road.
1: And so a lot of people who drink and then drive or get buzzed and then drive or whatever to whatever degree they in- ingest alcohol in the drive think that they can stay between the lines and that maybe if they hold one eye closed, they can get to where they're going. Is is that sort of the same mentality that you're seeing in your your defendants in, in this process? I mean, it
0: really is. Um, I, but there are studies and there's a lot that shows that, I mean, uh, marijuana is going to affect your ability to perceive what's on the road a lot differently than, than alcohol. Hmm. And so um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people who are getting pulled over and, and tested, getting a field test, you know, field sobriety test done, who are under the influence of marijuana, um, are, are not going to show the same signs of impairment that somebody who's under the influence of alcohol would.
1: Well, now, when someone gets pulled over for potentially drinking and driving, there's often the breathalyzer. And we can get into that in another podcast, and maybe we already have. But what do they do? What does a police officer do if they suspect someone is, is high on marijuana? I mean, gonna off, gonna oh, I mean, they're going
0: to ask you, first off, they're going to ask you, mean they're going to say, well, you know, it looks like you have glassy eyes or bloodshot eyes, and they can, in it, not just the, you know, the way you look, they'll also say, your car smells like marijuana, it smells, you know, something else to indicate that they think that you're under the influence, um, and based on, you know, what they, what they, they see, they'll ask you, you know, they'll ask you those questions, same way, have you had anything to drink tonight? They're asking now, I mean, have you had anything to smoke tonight? And so the worst thing you can do, and we talk about this all the time, we just talked about it, but the worst thing you can do is say, yes, officer, I did. I just left my friend's house, and before I left, uh, you know, took a bunch of bong grips, and then came out on the road. Cause <laughs> that right there the is the
1: plume of smoke that came out when I put my window down, right? <laughs> right. So,
0: I mean, uh, you know, just acknowledging your impairment is going to be their first step to then sure. you know, put you f- through a field sobriety test and test you know, your level of intoxication.
1: So they're doing the same field sobriety tests if they suspect that you have been smoking marijuana as they will if they suspect you've been drinking and driving.
0: Right now, they haven't changed protocol with okay. any local police. Um, no local police officers have, have changed. Police departments have changed uh, any of their their standards when it comes to field sobriety tests. So right now, everything is still geared towards alcohol. But unfortunately, the signs of impairment are different under the influence of alcohol than, the, than they are under the influence of marijuana.
1: All right, so when you, well, we know that there's a level that the breathalyzer shows. And so if there's a level for alcohol, okay, is there a level for marijuana? How are they, how are they determining that that much that was smoked that day or that hour or whatever was too much for you to drive? Do, do we have a, a measure there?
0: There is no, they don't have a baseline yet. Um, and it really kind of depends on the person. I mean, the way the code section is written is under the influence of, of alcohol, 0.08, right? We all know that. Blood sure. alcohol content above uh, 0.08. Um, but it's also under the influence of prescription drugs or um, you know recreational drugs or anything. But they don't have uh, a baseline or a figure for, for marijuana the same way they do for, for alcohol. So the way that so any, gonna, no, no, I mean, really any,
1: I mean, any. it would be any, any, um, measurable amount is it qualifies? Correct. Okay.
0: At least in theory, right? But the problem is, is that the only way to test this, at least as far as I'm aware here in the state of Virginia is to do it through a, a urine test or through a blood test. And so when they're looking at those two tests, uh, something they're going to have to take you to a hospital and get a warrant and, you know, have you tested that way, rather than just going down to the police station and blowing into their, their breathalyzer there. Um, So what they're looking for is to see how much THC is in your system parts, parts per million THC in your system. And unfortunately that that's different for everybody. I say unfortunate. I guess it is fortunate to an extent because you can't really pinpoint that this person who has you know two thousand parts per million in their system is under the influence, and this other person who's two thousand parts per million in their system isn't, because the way that THC metabolizes in your system.
1: So it's not is, is it not as similar to 0.08 Your 0.08 is going to be different than my 0.08 but we're still both reaching 0.08 In other words, it might take you four beers, and it might take me three glasses of wine different amounts of alcohol, maybe it's, you know, for someone else, a couple of shots, whatever it is, sure. that doesn't matter, doesn't matter how you ingested it, or even how much what matters is how your body metabolizes it. And when it reaches the threshold, Correct. and we don't have that really at all for marijuana, yet. right?
0: We, so we don't, there's no threshold, there's nothing that's been set by the state, there's, you know, federal government, they haven't figured this out yet either. But there's no reason, uh, there's no way for them to, um, to, to say that you are impaired, unless you are showing clear signs. I mean, if you're falling asleep, or if you're, you know, doing the field, the alcohol field sobriety test and failing that, well, that's going to show your sign of impairment. But the thing is, the way that it, it affects your motor skills, marijuana is affecting your motor skills is different than the way alcohol is. So if you are if you stay focused, it sounds like, you know, at least for the most part, you're going to be able to to pass that test. The worst thing you can do, though, is just acknowledge that you did smoke or and take an edible or do something like that.
1: And so, we really can't even tell people that there's a period of time they should wait, or a measure of time they should wait between smoking and driving. That's that's yet to be determined. We don't know the answer to that.
0: No, we don't. And until they come up with, until, and I say they, until the you know the authorities come up with a, a test that you know determines that this is impairment and this is not impairment, um, we still can't really give that advice.
1: Makes perfect sense. So, the three takeaways: number one hands free, you got to be hands free. No device, no Walkmans, no CD players, no phones, no iPods, were they called iPods? I never had one. Uh, so no devices in your hand. MP3, that's players, yeah. MP3 player. Yes. Those are going to get you in trouble.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Number two. Number two, uh, I would say don't smoke and drive, right? Um But I think that, you know, to to piggyback on that is if you are pulled over and if you are in some way under the influence of of marijuana or or anything else for that matter, you don't make any statements to that effect to say, yes, in fact, I have consumed because that's just going to give them probable cause to, you know, do what they have to do and potentially arrest you right then and there.
1: And the final point being, even when you're pulled over for holding a device or doing something with a device, again, the best advice from us is don't, politely politely decline to answer the questions and, um, and go from there. Answering their questions is almost always going to lead you with at least a ticket and maybe more than one. That's correct. Very good. Thank you so much.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of What to Do When. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, and we encourage you to check our archives to listen to previous topics. Tune in next week for a new episode and some fresh perspective from Kreiser Cardani.